Hello and welcome to the Zero Net 50 podcast. I'm Jennifer Deloney and with me is Joel Stronberg. Hey, Joel. Hey, Jennifer. So, Joel, since our last podcast uh, last week about the Green New Deal, the conversation around this idea for an environmental agenda with a jobs focus uh, seems to be continuing to swirl in the news sphere. I saw a headline that talks about the that youth-based sunrise movement and how they're backstepping from carbon capture as part of the Green New Deal structure they're pushing. Uh, I also saw that the New York governor, Governor Cuomo, he traded in on the New Deal concept with the announcement of what they're calling New York's Green New Deal, which is supposed to be a clean energy and jobs agenda for the state. Uh, did you see any news that caught your eye on the subject? Actually, there was a bunch of news this week, and uh, today happened to be a good day for it. A um, couple of things that I read in the news was that uh, Pelosi is now thinking of pushing uh, a cap-and-trade bill, which is the result of the select committee that she had appointed uh, in 2007. Um, and the same is going on over at the Senate. Uh, Murkowski, Senator Murkowski from Alaska uh, and Joe Manson from West Virginia uh, the Democrat um, have both indicated that the Senate is actually going to be holding climate hearings, which is a new thing for them, at least in the last five years. Um, and they're also talking about redrafting a bipartisan energy bill. Um, Murkowski is also uh, a fan of the cap and trade, and I expect there's going to be some conflict with the uh, Sunrise Movement and with the uh, Green New Dealers. Uh, they're already on record as having indicated that um, they're not particularly in favor of the cap and trade, and they see the whole financial um, approach, including carbon taxes, um, as a minor part of their, their their overall program. So you said that the Senate is going to do climate hearings. Is that what you said? Yeah, I did. And that's I mean that's really something. Um, in, in, the, in the past, uh, over the last five or six years, uh, they've had a, a really spotty record, um, basically because of the Republican control of, of the Senate, obviously, mm -hmm. um, and that these things would only go so far. Although Murkowski has a pretty good record on this, um, even though she's considered um, good news and bad news for the environment, if you will. Right, uh, right. Manchin is trying to, uh, they, a lot of the green groups, um, including Sunrise and including um, Ocasio-Cortez, actually, uh, actually opposed Manchin's um, elevation to the minority of the major minority member of the Senate Energy Committee because of his coming from West Virginia. Um, I think part of the reason that he's on board with climate hearings and the big sponsor of a uh, bipartisan bill uh, is, in is a reaction to the opposition that he was getting. He's in, uh, in an awkward spot. I mean, West Virginia is clearly a coal state. Right. Um, and it's been very Republican uh, lately. At one time, it, um, it, it was certainly more Democratic. Um, and now, I mean, he's basically the major uh, Democrat in the state. And he eked out uh, a re-election in which he was fighting Trump as well as um, the coal mining industry. Mm. Interesting. Well, we'll have to keep an eye on how he fares there. <laughs> yeah. I wish luck. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I also saw news come out from the Coalition for Green Capital saying that the organization is behind the launch of this new American Green Bank Consortium, which I think is really oh. interesting. 
I spoke this week with Alex Craigie, who's the director of the American Green Bank Consortium. We talked a little bit about the organization's plan for federal ag- ag- advocacy in the new year. He said they're going to be continuing an effort that started several years ago. I mean, it may have been even 10 years ago uh, to put legislation in place for a green bank uh, at at the federal level. And we're talking here about a public institution that is designed to facilitate private investment in green infrastructure. So uh, it would be really interesting if they got anywhere. Uh, The most recent attempt at a, a federal green bank legislation was in 2017, what they called the Federal Green Bank Act. Uh, It had 33 co-sponsors from 17 states, so they got a lot of um, uh, momentum there. And Alex said that there's a significant uh, growing movement behind this idea for the Federal Green Bank concept as people at the federal level see the impact that's made on the state and local levels by those existing green banks like Connecticut Green Bank, New York Green Bank. Uh, There's one in Maryland at the county level, the Montgomery Green Bank. Uh, So he said that including a green bank in any Green New Deal structure or any federal conversation about finances, a, quote, no-brainer. So I thought that was, you know, an interesting insight from those folks over there. Uh, But I'll be sharing more insights from the coalition uh, in an upcoming article on green bank trends for 2019. So our listeners can find that eventually, like next week, on energycentral.com. But, Joel, I wanted to dig in a little bit more on what's going on with this new select committee on the climate crisis. What's the status there? Well, it's, it's in process. Um, in some ways, it's kind of been conspicuous by not being mentioned much in the news uh, this week. I still haven't seen them. Uh, I haven't seen uh, Speaker Pelosi uh, indicate who would be on that committee beyond the chairman, um, who is uh, Representative uh, Castor uh, from Florida, um, who also actually had uh, it got some pushback from the uh, Green New Dealers and from the uh, progressive side of the of the Green Isle, if you will. Um, I mean, she's a she's a, a solid establishment um, member of Congress, and uh, it was somewhat predictable on the pushback. But she's also on record as indicating that she wants to do more than just um, focus on the Green Bank. She, I mean, she, wants, she wants to focus on state policy. She wants to focus, obviously, on, on financing issues, which are going to be a big deal no matter what kind of legislation comes down the pipe. Um, and, and she is also interested in doing some investigation of the uh, administration. And I think that there's a, there are kind of two countervailing trends going on. You know, a lot of the Democrats, especially that have been um, in Congress for a while, all of a sudden they're released from, you know, from, what, 10 years of being in the minority. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they've been even more agitated because of, of who's in the White House and the rollbacks um, of environmental regulations and stuff. So there's, I mean, there, there are these two threads where committees want to talk about um, what Trump has done and investigate and use that to their advantage, obviously. Um, but then there's also the fact that you need substantive proposals. And um, I think what's going to happen uh, here is that the this, this select committee um, is going to have to figure out where it fits into the scheme of things with standing committees in the House. But the select committee doesn't have the same, it doesn't have any subpoena power, which actually has been a problem um, for the Greenies uh, because they, they feel that they're, they're 
they've gotten a secondary um, kind of committee. And it, the subpoena the subpoena power may, meant that they could um, call people, uh, energy companies like ExxonMobil and what have you, um, and actually demand of them to show up in Congress uh, with their with their paperwork. Um, and so now what happens is those powers actually go out to the like the science and technology committee and the um, and energy and commerce and that sort of thing. Um, so there's and early on the the senior uh, members of, of the Democratic caucus, I mean, who are moving into chair positions, are nervous about having a uh, a, a select committee that may be running wild um, and that they end up having to to fight against internally uh, is a housekeeping matter. I mean, I think that there's going to be tension over the next year or 18 months um, because of the, the transitional nature. I mean, there's a generation change going on. Mm-hmm. There's a change in how things are done. I mean, Ocasio-Cortez and, and the Greenies, for example, are on social media all the time. Right. And this isn't something that, that older um, politicians are, are able to deal with. And right. I think that uh, where they'll get into it is um, behind closed doors and dealing with procedural stuff. So I actually see some conflict going on um, over the next year to 18 months. Mm, interesting. Uh, you know what? It, I, I, I don't really understand what the thinking was behind making it the select committee. I mean, you're pointing out some of the drawbacks of it. So what, what politically was the motivation there? Well, it's... Some of that is, is, is time-sensitive. Um, even before Green New Deal um, kind of just blew up in, in the, in, on the newspapers and everything else, mm-hmm. Pelosi had actually talked about resurrecting the select committee that she had appointed um, the last time that she was Speaker. That was headed up by um, now Senator Markey, who was then uh, Representative Markey. And that committee came out with cap-and-trade. Um, she had... She had she got blindsided, actually, in the last time on the cap-and-trade. The, the, that select committee came out with a bill, um, and it passed the House narrowly um, by seven votes, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And it got sent over to the Democrats in the Senate, which was in the majority at the time, and they never let it. Harry Reid, who was a senator from Nevada that uh, retired a couple of years ago um, and who was the, 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 uh, the majority leader in the Senate, wouldn't let it... Um, come to the floor for a vote. Um, Pelosi had a problem with that, and I think what she saw with the potential um, majority change in the House was an opportunity that she could kind of finish her unfinished business, if you will, mm-hmm. while at the same time, um, and she recognizes that there are a lot of environmentalists out there that are not very happy, not only with the administration, but because the Democrats never really had a plan that they put out in any time in the last five years, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was using that, the announcement of the select committee to, to kind of show the world that I mean, she's with it and she's, she's, she's about climate. Right. Well, at the same time, uh, uh, Ocasio-Cortez was running in a primary and she was in, where she defeated, actually, the fourth most powerful Democrat in the House. Part of her plank was the Green New Deal. Um, but it still hadn't really kind of burst on the, on the stage, if you will. Right. Um, well, what happened was that she won. But once she won the primary, she, had no, she literally had no opposition. Um, and so she'd been talking about the Green New Deal and the Sunrise um, Movement people 
uh, glommed onto it as well, and, and others. I mean, it really started to, to generate excitement. One of the things that she had proposed in her campaign was for Congress to set up a select committee. So what you've got here are a newcomer um, who is I mean, very far to the left compared to uh, a lot of the, the Democratic caucus in the House. Right. Uh, building up her version of the select committee, then you have Pelosi building up her version of the select committee. And then in the middle of all that, you have senior Democrats who are moving into um, existing standing committees. And so this kind of melee uh, got created. And I think that what happened was that prior to uh, the, the election for speaker, um, there weren't a lot of details about what this select committee would look like, although there were, uh, the, the greenies, if you will, were in, in the Democratic caucus were kind of warning um, Pelosi to, you know, to heed what it was that they were asking for. Once she got elected, and she, she, put, she put it back into the, the middle mainstream, if you will, of, of um, the Democratic caucus as far as positions were concerned. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think what she's letting, I think what Pelosi is letting happen is um, getting the standing committees in place and also giving some of the freshmen um, some positions on standing committees. But by tradition, um, I mean, a freshman in, in the House of Representatives is, is about as um, well taken care of and respected as a freshman in high school. Right, right. Um, <laughs> and so now it's happening because there's a lot, I mean, there is a lot of noise. And in fact, this, I mean, we are in a transitional period where the Democratic Party is moving left as the Republican Party is moving right. And again, for Pelosi, she, I mean, she's a constant politician. And so she understands that you can't, you can't just kind of wall off um, the incoming more progressive members, uh, freshman members, and, and members that you know are, have only been in the, in the House for one term, for example. Yeah. So she's giving them some really good positions, and I think what she'll do is she's going to wait a little bit longer while they get their good positions, and then she's going to appoint a committee that basically reflects her, yeah. her concept of what's going on. Um, and I think that the other thing that's going on in Washington this week is that uh, four Fed chair, past Fed chairmen, um, have now uh, publicly announced their endorsement for a national carbon tax. Mm. Um, and that also is going to end up somewhat in opposition to the Green New Deal, not because they have a different endpoint, but because the, the a national ta- carbon tax is, does not take care of the breadth of issues that the Green New Deal does. Right. The Green New Deal is about energy, but it's also about economic and social justice for at-risk populations. Right. And that's not going to be taken care of in this case. So I think that people are trying to elbow their way onto the stage and position themselves. And I think what Pelosi's doing, again, with the select committee is that she's going to let a lot of the the, um, the, the hotter blood kind of be spilled before she goes into this. Because these freshmen are getting good committee points, uh, committee assignments, I think what will happen is that she's going to expect them to be um, more deferential if the select committee isn't quite as radical. Right. Right. Yeah, so that makes sense, absolutely, that they got to give a little in order to get a little. And, and yeah, that, that actually, you just <laughs> summed up what I just said five minutes. Thank you very much. <laughs>
Great. All right. Well, so you have another article coming out in your slouching towards suburbia series that's uh, going to touch more on on all of these issues, right? Yes. Okay, good. Then, And that'll be available on civilnotion.com and energycentral.com. So that pretty much wraps up this week's podcast. Uh, if our listeners have any questions or comments about the Green New Deal or green finance in 2019, uh, they can tweet us at hashtag zero net 50. Thanks so much, Joel. Take care, Jonathan. Have a good weekend. Yep. All right. Take care, everyone. Have a great day.